You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All right, we are in our series on the core values. This is core value number four. Uh, last week, Chris talked about city and community uh, as core value three. And then next week, we got one more core value after that. Then we're going to talk about, uh, then we're going to go through a series on the names of God uh, in the fall. And I think that's going to be an exciting series also in this. But uh, every couple of years, we try to remind ourselves what are the main things at our church that if these things weren't true anymore, that we need to really close the door because they're that important to us. And Chris told us last week, the, he talked about the idea of core value, that, that we're not just living in our community, but to be contributors in what God is doing outside of our church, just as much as what is going on inside the church. And this week we're talking about a similar way, uh, in a different way, uh, that the idea that all of life, not just what we do here on Sunday mornings in the church, but all of life, from the time you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, should be worship. All of life as worship. How is that even possible? Well, let's look at the idea of worship, and not just worshiping, but what does it look like if all our lives were actually worship, not just Sunday morning? Let's examine this idea and, and as we look at these passages uh, for today. Core value number four, all of life as worship. We're, we're reading multiple passages, so it may be easier not to try to look them all up, up in your Bible, uh, but to re look at them in our order of worship. Let me read some of these today. The, uh, and Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Uh, in Romans, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then in Philippians 4, we see this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything Worthy of praise. Think about these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, take these um, passages, uh, work them into our hearts and our souls today. Lord, help us understand what it means to worship you. We have such a one-dimensional understanding of what that is. Broaden our horizons. Give us a bigger picture of who you are. And to help us respond to who you are with gratitude and praise in Jesus' name, amen. So, growing up for me in church, worship meant one thing and one thing only. It meant being in church and singing church music. And it was good at times, especially when they played a song that I liked in the worship service. Uh, also, I was a church pianist, and so that was even better, so I had something to do the whole time, and I didn't get bored. Uh, but even then, when I, as a kid, I thought church was pretty much boring. And then I was told that for all eternity in heaven that we were going to be doing this. 
uh, and that did not excite me. <laughs> and I mentioned this before, and I've said this a number of times, but it, it sounded like me that heaven, worshiping in heaven, was something like this, that we had a gathering of folks that were all holding hands in a circle like a bunch of ghosts and singing something along the lines of Kumbaya. That's what I thought in my head when I was young. But the older I get, the more I read my Bible, the more I understand God's vision for not only life in the future, but for life here, the more I realize that worshiping God is nothing like that at all. Imagine the thing that excites you the most. Maybe the person or activity that you find the greatest joy and satisfaction in. Imagine that money was no object and you could experience and enjoy that person or that thing forever, over and over and over. The feeling of worship, authentic worship, true worship, is something like that. If you've ever seen the movie A Chariots of Fire, and I mentioned this before, um, you know Eric Little, uh, the, the runner, uh, he was caught between being an athlete and being and training to go on the mission field to be a missionary in China. And the people around him, especially his sister Jenny, were just wearing him out, saying he was focusing too much on running and not enough on training to be a missionary. And in defending why he would run, instead of training to go on the mission field, he said this, he said, I believe God made me for a purpose. He's talking about worshiping, about me and a missionary. He said, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. This can be said another way. He's also saying this, my running and my playing rugby, most people don't talk about that, but he did play rugby, of being an athlete to the glory of God, it's just as pleasing to God and just as spiritual as training to be a missionary in China. How can that be? For many people, most people in Christianity, I would say, and like me for most of my life, worship in church and life on a daily basis were two separate worlds. I used to think that worship and life were two totally different things, and they were, in my mind and in my life, at odds with one another at times. It was like this tug of war in my soul. The two things were just not related in my mind, but now I know better. See, we were all made for one main purpose. The thing that satisfies us the most, a relationship with God, a friendship with God, worshiping God and being satisfied in that, but we were also made for hobbies and pleasure and enjoyment and for work and for our desires to be fulfilled. God is not asking you to play tug of war between life and worship. He's not saying you need to choose right now between life and me. He is not asking that. He's asking us to see all of life as a worship. So let's look at three points today from our passage to help us understand this. The first point we're going to look at is worship involves our whole being. Then we're going to talk about worship involves our whole life. And then we're going to talk about worship involves our whole world. So let's look at our first point today. Worship involves our whole being. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said this, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. 
Now this statement that Jesus makes here is actually an answer to a question. It was a question made by a religious leader that was actually trying to trick Jesus at this point. He was trying to get him uh, to side with certain people or build this hierarchy of what law is more important so we can follow the laws that are more important. So the religious leader says this, like, out of all the commandments that God gave, Jesus, what do you think is the most important law? And then Jesus throws him a curveball, and he sums up the entire commandments with one answer and one point. He says this, the point of all the laws in the Bible, the point of all the prophets, the point of all the things that God required everybody from the beginning of the world, the point of all the works that God did, all point to one main goal, to love God with all our being, ultimately to worship God with all of who we are. But it's not as simple as it sounds. I've shared this story before, but my younger brother, uh, our youngest brother, uh, that's no longer with us, um, on his first day of kindergarten, he came back, um, and I know I've, I've told this story before, but uh, I think it fits well what we're talking about today. He came back from kindergarten, and my mom says, how do you like school today? And he said, I didn't like it, I'm not going back. Um, <laughs> and my mom's like, no, Aaron, you've got to go back. And he said, for how long? She said, 13 years. So it's a little, in a little head, he just processed it there. He's like, um, okay. He said, but after that, I'm not going again. <laughs> and I'm like, that's okay. Uh, and, and matter of fact, when he, uh, every summer when he got into high school and even middle school, uh, he, would, he would work on the farm the whole summer. And in the afternoons uh, in high school, he would just get out of school and make a beeline to the farm. Uh, and he would, he would go do a lot of things down there. And not only that, but his senior year, his schedule was English, shop, 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 went home, work on the farm. Why? That's what he was born to do from the time that he was in kindergarten. He just wanted to work on the farm. He, it wasn't for him. Vocationally, or even the roles that we play in life in any way, there are things that we're all born to do. Whether we have discovered it or realized it or not, there's all things that we're born to do, and they're all different, except in one area of our lives that we were designed and born to worship God with all of our being. But what does that mean? Well, look at the Romans passage here, Romans 12, 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. Uh, some translations say service. It's the same word. So, we're made to worship. As human beings, we are all worshiping human beings. Even if we don't believe in God, or believe that we're worshiping, we all worship, and we will worship something. We will worship something in our lives. But worship here is this, it's more than a feeling or emotion. People confuse this in Christianity all the time, and I see it. It's, it's the experience, this is what worship is, it's simple. It's the experience of seeing something about God, the presence of God, and then responding to that, to what we hear and we see. This is why our worship looks like it does at our church. If you notice at our church, we use a lot of scripture in our call to worship, in our responsive readings, in our assurance of pardon, in our music, because we really think it's less about uh, our emotions and more about who God is. This is why I'm so thankful for Chris and Valerie uh, and the, the decisions they make about our music, even today, very intentional, very scriptural based. Why? Because that's where we see God. 
a lot of times uh, people respond to things, and I'm thinking, what are you responding to? They haven't even sang any words yet. The music, you know, they may be uh, manipulating you emotionally with the music, but what are you responding to? I'm reminded of a, of a church member uh, that, that told me the story uh, about uh, a comment that was made to his worship leader. Uh, they were leaving church one day, and the church member says, man, I just, to the, to the church leader, I mean the worship leader, I just really didn't enjoy worship this morning. To which the worship leader says back, well, good thing that we weren't worshiping you. See, our worship is to be God-centered, our service to God, but it's not an either-or. Don't mistake, it's a both-and. And here's where I had it wrong as a child. Worship in heaven will be very similar to what we're doing here and now in the church, but in all the better ways and the different ways. We're going to see it more clearly. Chris says this all the time. Sunday mornings are rehearsal for heaven. But it's never going to get old in heaven because, uh, as I've used this illustration before, it's like when you, when you see a diamond. Like every day with God, going to be something different. When you see a diamond and you turn it, and some other facet that you see, the light reflected off it in a different way because it's so intricate in that. That's what we're going to see with God. When we think about holy, holy, holy that we sing every week, it's not a chant. It's saying, oh, I see something about God. Holy. Oh, I see something else now. Holy. I see something else now. Holy. That's what we're talking about for all eternity because God is infinite. Let's look at point number two here. Worship involves our whole life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you eat or you drink, whatever you do to the glory of God. Whatever you do, sorry, do to the glory of God. See, every aspect of life, I don't care what it might be, everything you do, you think about all the things you do throughout the week, uh, by yourself, with other people, whatever. Everything you do as a follower of Jesus has the potential to honor and worship God. As we grow in our understanding about God, in our lives, we should be able to see more and more, we should see God more and more in our ordinary lives. If we see God at work in our lives more and more clearly, then we respond and we thank Him and praise Him. So instead of just going through life and reacting to situations and events and happenings, we begin to see God in these ordinary things and we see the divine reality behind them. A good example is what we do in communion every week. I mean, you think about it. We're partaking in ordinary things, the bread and the cup, and it points to something higher and more divine. As Christians, we are to see through the ordinary things that surround us, to marvel at the mystery of what's going on behind the scenes, and more and more, praying that God would help us to see it, and just the ordinary mundane things. The, truth, the same is true with our interaction with people. As you know, I spent 15 years in education, and most of the time I taught middle school. And the hardest thing in middle school is to keep from dividing your class into the good kids and the bad kids, because that's what every teacher has a temptation to do. Uh, and so, and it's the same thing, y'all know, uh, when you deal with customers, you got the high maintenance customers and low maintenance customers, uh, you got coworkers uh, that, that you like and you don't like. What would it look like if you weren't just tolerating those people, that you just weren't loving those people, but you remembered that the Bible says every human being is made in the image of God. And therefore, everybody you see, that, that problem child, that, that bad kid, the, 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 the high maintenance customer, everybody you come in contact with, you have an opportunity to see a glimpse of God. If it's really true that we're all made in the image of God, 
and we see a glimpse of God in everybody. We look for that. And so we don't just tolerate and love them. We begin to marvel over who they are. And so that's what our life should look like, not only in people, but the things around us. That we're constantly walking around like a child at a county fair saying, what's coming up next? And so whether we are running or honing our golf skills or playing music, drawing, painting, writing music, writing contracts, uh, hunting, fishing, gardening, building houses, woodworking, taking care of people and kiddos at the house and hospitals taking care of people, selling houses, managing teams, or just everyday ordinary things like preparing and eating meals and cleaning house. When we gather as a church at college game day in, in my driveway watching football, all of those places, we should be looking for God in those activities. God, show me what you're trying to show me through this. Not to get me through, just to tolerate it. But God, where are you in this? And how would you have me to see this? And how can these activities become acts of serving you and worshiping you? Where is God all this? in all of this is what we should be asking. What else is God wanting me to see in my everyday life? Which brings us to the last point here. Worship involves our whole world. Philippians says in 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's talking about the idea of dwell on these things. Look for those things that are redeemable about what's going on. And the emphasis over and over here is on whatever. See, the whole world and everything in it is what he's talking about here. There's nothing in the world that's not God's. The world is good. Now understand that we and the rest of humanity has twisted it and we have perverted it. There's no doubt about it. It's broken in that way. But it does not mean that we stop looking at for the good and the beautiful and the true. If there's anything excellent in whatever we see, then we pursue it and we recognize God with it and uh, in it, and it becomes an opportunity for worship. See, most churches in the world in this day and age want to divide the world between Christian things and non-Christian things. For instance, uh, it just make, I'm, I'm, I, it drives me crazy when people talk about Christian radio stations and secular radio stations. That is not the way that God works and it's not the way he wants us to view the world. If it's good, true, and beautiful, it's of God, period. If it's excellent, it's of God. So when we experience art and music, in sports, and work, and play, and food, if it's good, true, and beautiful, no matter where it might be found, it's from God, and it shows us more about who God is. Now, maybe you're thinking here at the end, I understand the concept of what you're talking about, uh, but I, I tr have trouble seeing God uh, in, in these ordinary things. I have trouble feeling God's pleasure in what I do moment to moment, day to day. But there's a couple of things I would say. First of all, if you can't feel God's pleasure, Maybe you're not even looking for God in your ordinary routines. Pray that God will teach you more about who he is so you can look for those. One of the reasons that we're going through the names of God in the fall is so we can look, be more specific about who he is and to find him in ways that we normally wouldn't look for him. Also, if you don't see God in a lot of your daily activities, it might be that you're making that pleasure or that activity an end of itself, meaning an idol 
That's not something that's drawing you to God, but it's drawing you away from God. Maybe you love that thing more than you actually love God. So instead of the activity you engage in could be pointing you to God, it's actually a distraction. But here's the thing. We all, everyone in this room, including myself, must realize we have false views about God and reality and ourselves. And there are so many barriers because of who we are as broken, messed up people to really experiencing and catching a glimpse of God and knowing God and entering a friendship with God. This is why we need Jesus. And Jesus came in the world to fix those perceptions. By confessing that we need Jesus and believing in him, we are reconnected to the real world that God wants us to see, not just this world that everybody else is seeing that really at some level is just a smokescreen. We're connected to the lens in which God wants us to view the whole world and see these divine realities that we're talking about. But here's the main point today. Worship is more than what you do when you go to church. It's more than what we do on Sunday morning. All of life, all of the world is an opportunity to see God. Pray that God would give us eyes to see Him. Our Father is beautiful and holy and loving and just and sovereign and He's gracious. And He has surrounded us with an intoxicating and magnificent world. If we would just have eyes to see Him at work around us, if we really begin to see God, we're going to respond in gratitude and praise in situations that we never thought that we could. And when that happens, we're going to begin to experience joy and peace and contentment in God, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what we were doing. And we'll begin to view, view all of life and the world as worship. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you uh, that you have given us an intoxicating world, so intoxicating that we tend to make idols of it. Uh, you have given us gifts of uh, finances, gifts of relationships, and so many times our, our hearts are just idol factories where we want to we want to make those things more than you. Help us to not be distracted by those things. Help us to, to pursue the understanding that you want us to be in a friendship with you in a relationship far more than you want us to be in a religion. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.